Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. An all-new edition of Flyers Daily with a special guest. And welcome to your March 18th edition of Flyers Daily. We wish we were breaking down the Flyers-St. Louis Blues game that would have happened on St. Paddy's Day, but that's not the case. And uh, joining me for this episode of Flyers Daily, once again, is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jason. How about you? I'm hanging in. <laughs> the hockey hiatus has, uh, is wearing me down, uh, but hopefully good times are ahead, and that's kind of what we're going to discuss tonight. But before we kind of get to a couple of reports that came out about potential scenarios on how the NHL will or will not re- resume its season, season if they're able to, um, I got to talk about uh, what I was watching the other night. I'm watching the final game of Flyers-Sabers, 1975. The Flyers got the 2 nothing win to win their second straight Stanley Cup 45 years ago. Hard to believe. Um, but one thing really stuck out to me, other than uh, Bill Clement got his first point of the playoffs, by the way, with that second goal in the game. Um, but the thing that stuck out to me, and I know Gene Hart didn't do the first or third period in that game, but listening to Gene... Uh, in the second period that he did uh, have the play-by-play call, Gene Hart would have worked today. He worked then well. He would have his call holds up. He was tremendous. And now it's not just because that was the soundtrack of my youth, which it was, but man, he sounded good, and it felt good to hear him. Uh, unbelievably so. You know, there are every time I walk up into the uh, the press box at Wells Fargo Center, and hopefully that won't be. Too long in the distance. Well, you know, hopefully not too far in the future. But every time I walk up there and I see Gene's pictures as, as you step off the elevators, you know, I, I mean, I grew up on Gene too. Um, I'm from that generation also. And Gene is in large part responsible for, for falling, you know, me falling in love with hockey as a kid. And he could just paint the most vivid of pictures. Um, and, you know, the, the way he described the game, his knowledge of the game, you know, for a guy who never played the game. And just, uh, just, just his broadcasting voice. I mean, Gene, Gene truly was a legend. And I, I mean, I feel fortunate to have grown up listening to, uh, to Gene, you know, and, and as you said, uh, particularly on a national level, it would have, it would have held up for any era. He was, he was one of the, truly one of the all time greats. Yeah. I, I love the fact that he said that shot was ticketed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard anybody use it since. I, I last heard Gene Hart say it, and that's just one of those great phrases that he had, and he had so many of them. And, and, uh, and I, still, I still, I still use that phrase because I grew up on it with Gene. Yeah, yeah. that's how ticketed for the top corner, you know. Yep, yep. And it's like, yeah, hey, you got a plane ticket to the top corner. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember playing street hockey as a kid, and we would mention that. And yeah, I, I was really lucky because I, I was in the uh, uh, the Pepsi shootout in 1983 as a squirt, and we went down there for the day. And you put, went against another team. It was a breakaway, then a two-on-one, a three-on-two, and then another breakaway. And it was a competition. And both both the uh, ones that I was in, we went to extra. So we went overtime, breakaways, you know, uh, you know, whoever could score the last goal wins. And Gene Hart and Bobby Taylor did the play-by-play for it. And they aired it in between periods of a Flyers game. And a guy that I did it with put it on YouTube. And, and it's great to hear him say, he calls me Mr. Zero at one point because I wasn't letting anything in. And that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. It's still on YouTube? Yeah, I'll, I'll tweet it out, and uh, I'll tag you in it. 
And, and the other thing is, it was cool because he came down to the locker room to meet all of us. All, we we're all kids, you know, 10, 11 years old. And he went through how to pronounce my name. We, and we do that as broadcasters before games all the time, like Tim Saunders and I. All right, let's, let's any questions on the pronunciations? Because we know NHL players change their name. It's Marshand one year, Marshand the next, and so on and so forth. But very cool stuff. And just uh, he was a treasure for Flyers hockey. And, and uh, not only that, but he was a teacher of the game as well to so many people with the NHL coming to Philadelphia in 1967. But, Bill, let's get to the game and that when it may get back on the ice. And let's start with this first uh, report that came out. It came out from a, a guy who covers the KHL. What's the guy's name again that covers the KHL? Uh, Igor Ironko. Yeah, and he put out the, the report that the NHL is considering a 24-team playoff format um, where you would get a lot of teams, obviously, that wouldn't make the playoffs normally involved in this. And what it does is it brings teams like Montreal, Chicago, and some big markets into play to kind of, I guess, make up for some of the lost revenue by not having some of the regular seasons games played. Yeah, I mean, that's a that certainly is a, a an alternative to simply cutting off the season and beginning the playoffs based on points percentage. It, it does give some other teams a, a chance to, to make the playoffs. It's kind of a throwback in a ways to much older formats where there were teams lower in the standings that, w- that would get in because there would be that remember that mini series in the first round when we were growing up and you know there would be teams that would there would be teams that really were not very good during the season but they they might uh, they might win around during that mini series that was always a dangerous series and then you had the teams higher up in the standings that would be quite often waiting for them uh, and there you know sometimes I mean that can be a, a negative thing waiting or you know waiting around while another team is playing so that that could create some you know some really interesting ideas if it happens. It, you know, speaking personally, um, while it's maybe not my most preferred format, I prefer that to rescheduling games. We have teams like Detroit that are just playing out the schedule, you know, at whatever point that whatever time they're brought back or trying to reschedule some of these interconference games that may or may not have any bearings on the standings. Then then once you resume, everything means something and you have teams playing in. So, I mean, I think it I think it's a fascinating idea. And certainly from a revenue standpoint, you get some get some of those big markets involved too. And, uh, I, you know, I think it would create some intrigue right off the bat rather than jumping back in a regular season. So I can see some merit to it. Yeah, and, and the one thing too with the 24 teams and as it lays out, there would be no team that would be under 500 that would get in according to where the standings are right now. And the top six teams in each conference would ha- essentially have a bye while these other six teams have to play their way in in best of three series, which would take place in four days. So it's not like it's a long break. Sure. Um, the, the one concern I would have, Bill, is this, is that some of these teams, like uh, as the standings are now, Carolina, the Islanders, Columbus, Florida, the Rangers, and Montreal, they're going to come back and essentially have like a three-week training camp, and if they lose two games, it's all over. You right. know, it's a little – but the NHL is weird. You know what would happen in that? Montreal. I mean, they would they could upset Pittsburgh. You know, oh, sure. Play out, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially with teams having been off for so long. I mean, a lot of times you see – Early in a, you know early in a regular season, you'll you'll have some teams that you don't expect will get off to hot starts, um, you know. And, and I mean everybody kind of everybody kind of starts out not exactly not an even footing because there are always teams that are better than others, of course. But there are there are often teams that take a little time to get going or teams that are yeah. You know, I mean look I mean look at I mentioned Detroit being a team would be playing out the string. Look at Detroit; they won three of their first four games this regular season, right? So you know they not that. 
you know, and as you said, these would be all teams that are 500 and above. But I mean, yeah, any anything can happen, particularly in a two out of three game format. There would be, or even a best of five, you, you would certainly have certainly have some upsets pretty early on. Oh yeah, no question about it. So uh, the first, actually, I, I was wrong. The first five seeds would get the bye, not the first uh, six, or four, I guess the first four seeds would, and then they would battle it out. So the, if it, this were to go into action right now in the standings, Pittsburgh would play Montreal in a three-game series. The Toronto would get the Rangers. And boy, the Rangers, we don't know what they're going to be when they come back, but they were really coming on. Carolina, Florida, Islanders, Columbus, Dallas, Chicago, Vancouver, Arizona, Nashville, Minnesota, and Calgary, Winnipeg. Boy, I looked right at that Pittsburgh series, and I right off the hop, and I go, boy, if you get a healthy and you're assuming a healthy uh, Carey Price coming off the break and he's dialed in, that could be an easy upset from a team that really wasn't going to make the playoffs, didn't deserve to make it based on normal seasons, and all of a sudden, boom, they could knock out a, a team that was the three seed in the Metropolitan Division. It's a wild idea. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, you're, you're going to head to head. You'll, you know, just just based on the odds of how games go, a lot of a lot of games go into overtime, and you know, anything can happen in overtime. Just one bounce of the puck. So, yeah, I mean, you have teams that are all of a sudden, as opposed to if you're coming back and playing the rest of the season, a team like Montreal's playing out the string, essentially, then all of a sudden there are games games that mean something. So, you know, I, again, I, I definitely see, see some merit in that. It, it's obviously not the, the most ideal of scenarios. You want your you want the season as, it, as it's supposed to be organized to, to mean you know, as much as it possibly can. And, and but. You know, but we're not in we're not in ideal circumstances. We're in dire circumstances. So, you know, if if it were to work out that way, I would find that to be a very interesting thing. Yeah, somebody replied to my tweet when I put it out earlier today and said this is absurd. And I said, yeah, we're living in absurd times right now. <laughs> absurd times call for absurd measures. And well, that's Exhibit A, Bill. So let me give you Exhibit B. And it came out today on TSN, Frank Seller Valley reporting, uh, Darren Dreger, and also uh, Pierre LeBrun all in concert on this report that the NHL players have been kind of having a group chat, if you will, and they are making a proposal to the NHL for a possible playoff format. Now, there's a couple interesting angles to this one, uh, one being that it's not going to start their uh, format until July. So in early July, they would have a training camp of probably roughly two weeks. Um, And then in late July, they would finish the regular season. So the teams would all get to 82 games, um, then the playoffs would start in August and run through September. You need roughly two months uh, for the playoffs to go from start to completion if you're playing four by seven. So four rounds of seven games each. And then the draft and free agency would start right after that in October. And then they would get right back on the ice for a mini training camp, if you will, uh, in uh, late October. And they would start the regular season in November. So a couple things here. Uh, first and foremost, I, I don't even know that it makes sense to finish the regular season games, you know, have a training camp in early July for teams to come back and play 10 games like Detroit, like you mentioned, that aren't going to make the playoffs in any scenario to come back and do that and then just go cold again. That doesn't make sense to me. No, uh, I mean, I see two benefits to this and two benefits only. Benefit number one being that the time frame certainly gives more opportunity to, you know, for for the U S and Canada and players to be able to, to travel back and travel back safely. It, it gives, you know, gives the bigger situation more time to play through. And it does give more of a typical training camp scenario. And also you're not jumping right into, you know, you're, I mean, you're going, 
you're basically turning the dial to 11, right? When you're, when you're in playoff hockey. Oh yeah. And you're coming back with a blast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that is the most intense hockey of the season. And um, I believe you and I discussed the other day where you tend to get training camp kind of injuries, groin pulls, those kind of things, because you're, you know, it's just, uh, you're using different muscles when you're playing and to, to, to turn the, you know, just, just turn it on full blast, you know, have, having a little bit of work up there, you're having some regular season games as a tune up for the teams that are going to make it, you know, I, I see a benefit in that and the, the injury side of it being, you know, the second benefit, but, but on the whole, I have to tell you that I, that I really don't like the idea. Um, because again, you're going to have teams that are playing out the string as, as we just said, um, the standings are not likely to change very much. You might have uh, one or two teams flip-flopping a spot within the playoffs or, you know, maybe a team sneaks into a wild card that would currently be under it. Um, the, you know, the uh, winning percentage points or, or points percentage. I mean, to me, that to me, that's a an equitable enough scenario once once you're around 70 games played, personally speaking. The other thing I don't like about it is that it would end up affecting next season. And you'd have a very short off season, you know, uh, I mean, you'd have the draft much later than normal. Um, free agency would kick in later. Uh, the next regular season would start later. And also you're basically, you'd basically be starting a marathon right after a sprint, you know, that you wouldn't have your normal, you wouldn't have your normal off season training regimen. And I mean, yeah, yeah. Players might have an extended period right now, but how worn down teams would be by the middle of next season. If they compress it and start it later, you're going to have a second season that's affected rather than just one. And I, uh, you know, I, I don't see that as a, I don't see that as a good scenario, personally speaking. Yeah. I think there's some viability to, to elements of it. And I agree with you because you're going to start the season with a sprint for some teams and the, the short off season is only applicable really to a couple of teams, probably four to eight teams because you know, the teams that A, don't make the playoffs are going to have a nice buffer between the end of the regular season, you know, and have that two months off and, and then get back after it. Um, but the other thing is, is you start with a sprint, you go to a marathon, and then you go back to a sprint for playoff teams. And yeah. you're, that is a lot. There's no doubt about it. The time frame I'm fine with, the, one of the considerations has to be the Olympics, though. I don't know how volatile the Olympics happening or happening on time is right now. Um, nobody knows cause we don't know what the, where this pandemic's going to go, but, um, NBC in the United States obviously airs the Olympics and it airs the NHL playoffs. That's gotta be a consideration as well. Oh, no question. No question. And, you know, we don't even know if the NHL is going to participate, but I mean, it's something where, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it run. I think it, I don't know. I, I think that there are, there's many problems that are raised as, as, you know, potential solutions to it. And I just, I don't. I think when you weigh the pros and the cons, there are as many cons as pros. I don't think I don't think Jason, truthfully, there's one perfect scenario. The perfect scenario would be, you know, miraculously they could start the season soon, but that's that doesn't seem very realistic. So it's always going to be lesser scenarios. But but between the expanded playoffs and starting later, playing playoff games in in August into September, you know, I I don't know. I you know I. I I'm not wild about the idea, but I do see the, you know, I do see the potential benefits that, that are laid out, as you said. Now, a lot of people are asking, Bill, like, well, why would the players propose something like this that puts them in a position of so much hockey in a condensed period of time? And, and there's a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, the players are paid, essentially, 
uh, on hockey related revenue. And when you lose regular season games and you lose playoffs, a very lucrative time of year for the NHL, the playoffs, then you lose HRR. The owners, yeah. you know, they split it with the players. They, players want to see the cap go up, and that is directly related to the hockey-related revenue. You can have a projection, but until they know the final numbers on the HRR, they don't know what the cap is going to be. And then you couple that, Bill, with the fact that if they do lose um, HRR and don't play the remainder of this season, regular season, or playoffs or whatever, like people are saying, well, just cancel it, you know, and start next year on time. Well, then players also go into a situation of escrow, and they can get upwards of twenty-two percent escrowed. Right. That's a lot of mo- that's a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, you know, particularly if they use the the inflator to be able to to maximize what the ceiling and the uh, the floor are, that that also raises, of course, the the escrow percentages. Their their guarantee on that side, and with uh, with revenues being down, I mean, the escrow percentage would be outrageous unless you make that revenue up the highest extent possible. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that would certainly be a big part of the player's rationale. And also, you know, players tend to players tend to athletes tend to think about right now. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the particularly, particularly players who are on teams that are in playoff position or battling for playoff position. And they're, they're right there. You know, they, they want every chance to make it. Nobody wants a scenario that, you know, for people to say, well, just cancel it. I mean, you know, think about what an empty feeling that is to put all that, all that work in and you you don't even have a don't even have a playoffs. I mean you that, can't culminate it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, I mean I feel I feel awful for a number of reasons for guys in the ECHL, like like take you know take the Reading Royals, Flyers affiliate. Really breakthrough year from them. They they're in second place. They had, you know, everything kind of looking up. They they potentially could have gone a few rounds in the Kelly Cup playoffs, which also meant for the team revenue and you know they were they were heading in the right direction. And now there's nothing. Yeah. Right. And there's you know, there's also the financial piece to it as well. Um, uh, Eric Engels had a really good piece about the the finance uh, of the ECHL, which is of course is a whole different ball game than even the American League, much less the NHL. But uh, you know, just uh, just the paychecks the players are missing at that level, you know, it really really hurts. I mean, the players on average in that league make about I think sixteen five a year. So yeah, Oof. Uh, you know, so they they have to work during the off season as it is, and it's uh, you know it's. From both from a hockey standpoint and just from an, an earning and making a living standpoint, it's really rough on those guys. And when you get get into the big business level, the NHL too. I mean, listen, you know, it, it's a short career, right? And you have to make as much as you can in in the period of time that you can make it. So, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, athletes and players, they always what do they want to do? They want to play. You know, you don't want to go seventy games into a season, position yourself like in the Flyers situation as the second seed in the Metropolitan Division and not get a chance to make that push with that group of guys that got you there. Because if you just cancel it, you're not coming back with the same team. <laughs> it's not because there's, there's turnover every offseason in every sport, and it wouldn't be the same group. Maybe, maybe it's better. We don't know, Bill. But um, So one of the things that Gary Bettman has uh, mentioned, and I know he mentioned it the other day, and his biggest uh, kind of thing that he's looking for in considering bringing the game back and awarding the Stanley Cup is this is what he said. He said, uh, there's a ton of speculation. He said, but the most important thing will be if we come back that the tournament or the competition that we put on has integrity and does justice to the history and tradition of the Stanley Cup. So he's got his mind in the right place. I agree 100%. Yeah, and we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be a really interesting uh, situation over the next couple of weeks and to see if uh, any of these 
pretty extreme uh, measures that were uh, some places in the country are, are putting into effect or they're going to have uh, the ability to, to flatten the curve. It's the, uh, the phrase of uh, 2020 so far. We'll see if that's the case and see if we can get some good news here on the, on the pandemic front. And that could lead to good news for the National Hockey League and sports in general. Bill, this was awesome. A lot of fun. Tomorrow, by the way, you're going to be coming back for another episode of Flyers Daily. You wrote an article, and I love these kind of articles because you put people's brain into a pretzel. And you put them to very difficult decisions. And you, you came up with the all-Flyers team, but you had to use a player from every decade back to the 60s? That's right. Yeah, one. you have to pick one player from every decade, so six positions. And for the, it'd be 2010s and into 2020. But you have to pick one player for every decade. You have to fill three forward positions, two defense spots, and a goalie. And you can't pick two players from the same decade. So, for example, if you're taking Bobby Clark, in the 70s, you can't take Bernie Perron, and you can't take Reggie Leach, and you can't take uh, Rick McLeish. If you're taking Mark Howe as your defenseman, to represent you know, one of your defensemen to represent the 80s, then you don't, you can't pick Tim Kerr, you can't pick Brian Propp, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Only mm. pick one Legion of Doom. You know, and you got to you got to fill you got to fill a starting lineup out, and it really does. It, it's you know, you really got to think about some of these as to okay, you know, uh, how how do I how do I put out the best starting lineup that I can while meeting all the requirements. I, I had a lot of fun trying to do it. Well, I'm going to go through the exercise today uh, and I will present my team to you tomorrow for approval. And all we'll right. see so, if you think I did well. Ilka Sinisalo on the wing. <laughs> hey, Bill, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> and we'll talk tomorrow for another episode of Flyers Daily. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a rating and review. We're going to keep you company through this whole thing, and we're going to keep talking Flyers hockey. We know you guys want it. It's a, a welcome distraction from the craziness of our world, so we appreciate you listening. In the meantime, think about enjoying your hockey. Sitting on an angry chair.